All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to our special online service with summer going on and everyone at camp and doing their thing. We just decided to have a little online uh, special service. I have to say it's very weird being here by myself. I haven't had to do this since COVID, and this seemed to be like the regular thing during COVID. So uh, it is weird to be back here. Maybe it's flashbacks. I don't know what it is. Uh, but I'm so glad that you're joining us online. Uh, I'm hoping you're having a great summer. Uh, just one quick announcement before I dive into just a thought I wanted to share with you this morning. Uh, we are at the Erickson Farm on Wednesday, August 10th at 6 p.m. If you need directions, you can message Tim, message myself. Um, actually, don't message me because I don't even know where we're going. But message Tim. And he'll be sure to get you where he's going. Uh, they've got a really cool plan for us that, that Wednesday. And uh, we're just looking forward to going and hanging out with them. Uh, so this morning, uh, here, there's a couple of reasons we're doing something a little bit different today. Number one, um, I am really enjoying the Ephesians study. And I didn't want to miss out on being together as we continued. And Ephesians 4 is kind of the chapter that we've been building towards, getting excited about. And so I didn't want to do Ephesians 4 here. I wanted to do Ephesians 4 when we could be together. So next week we'll continue on with our Ephesians study. I hope you've enjoyed the first three weeks. Um, but I wanted to do something special because as we approach fall and we start thinking about what is fall going to look like and what are some shifts that we need to make as a church moving forward, uh, there's a few thoughts that I've been kind of wrestling with, um, and, and it's, it, I want to invite you into the wrestle that we're having as a church and me as leadership, and share with you what's going on, just to let you know that I, I know what, what the world temperature is, I kind of know what perception is right now, and, and what is our response? How, is, how are we as a church in general, big church, and how are we as a church, as one church, uh, going to respond to everything that's going on. So what are some of these shifts and how are we going to implement some of these things come September? So with all that, I just want to pray quick. Uh, we're going to do a quick scripture reading and uh, and we will, I, I don't want to be too long, just a quick thought for you to think about and mull on as we approach the fall. So Heavenly Father, I thank you God for this time. I thank you that even though we are not in person, we are still unified in spirit because we serve one God. And there is one spirit that is in us and seals us for salvation, seals us for our redemption. And God, we thank you that we are unified even when we are not together uh, in person. We're together in spirit. And so God, I pray that you would speak to each and every heart, that you would stir in each and every one of us and get us ready for what you want to say, what you want to do, and how you want to use us um, moving forward in, in our world, in our country, in our communities. And uh, God, we look forward to it. We just want to be sensitive to your leading and your guiding. In your precious name, Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, so here, here's kind of where this is coming from. So a couple of weeks ago, I shared, uh, we had our general conference back in May, so it's been more than a couple of weeks, and there were a couple studies that came out talking about uh, the Canadian perception of, of Christianity. And uh, 
here are the actual numbers as they were reported by CTV. Uh, there is the actual report. I can get a copy to you or I can find a link and I can send that to you if you want to read the full report. But this is what um, 1,300 Canadians were surveyed and this was the response that they gave on, on the religion and its place in Canadian society. Uh, 47% of Canadians surveyed said that religion contributes both good and bad equally to the community at large, uh, while 22% said religion contributed more bad than good. So 47% said that there's equal good and bad, with another 22% saying that no Christianity, and Christianity was the big one, and more importantly, uh, evangelical Christianity. So if you don't know how the church breaks down, you're new to this whole church thing, uh, there's really three groups within Christianity. So there's the Catholic Church, which is the one that's been around forever. They're the big ones. They're the Roman Catholics. They got the priests. They, they got the Pope. Uh, so there's the Roman Catholics, and then there's what's called the Protestant Christians, who were, uh, at some point in church history, there was a few guys that didn't like what the Catholic Church was doing, so they split off in protest of the Catholic Church. So they became the Protestant Church. And then few years later, there was another movement come that was wanting to be more in tune with the Spirit and wanting to really capture the Great Commission of going out and sharing Jesus with our community. And so there's this third branch that's called Evangelical Christianity. And so we fall under that category of Evangelical. And when the survey was done, they identified Roman Catholics, Evangelical Christianity, and Islam as these three groups that either are do more bad than good, or do equal amounts good and bad for the Canadian society. So 47% plus 22, that's 69% of Canadians have this perception that religion is either kind of equally good and bad, or just bad for society. And what you can hear that and be like, wow, where are they getting this perception from? And I don't have Netflix, but I've heard all about it. You go on Netflix right now, and there are documentaries about the wrongs that the church has done in the last couple of decades to certain demographics of our society. You, you hear about these, um, these campaigns that have been done and the, the hurts that have been done. And, and it's no wonder that there's this perception that the church is bad. There, there's all kinds of, even as we go through the news and we look at everything that's going on with the residential schools and, and all the atrocities committed there, and then you go back even further in the history and look at the campaigns and the crusades, and, and there is a lot of bad in church history. And so it's no wonder, and even as, and you don't have to go back that far, you turn on the news just, to, just within the last month, and you see what's going on with Hillsong right now, which used to be this great big global church that was having such a huge impact, especially in the worship department. They are coming out with all these great songs, songs that we have sung, songs that so many churches have taken advantage of, and they've done more other great, amazing things. But now all of a sudden, like Hillsong is under all kinds of scrutiny because of all of these cover-ups and everything that's been going on. And it's no wonder that Christianity has such a bad rap. It's no wonder that Christianity has such a bad name. And so the question is, is as we see these studies and we, we're starting to feel this negative perception, we start to feel some of this uh, hardship that's kind of coming our way, is how do we respond? 
And there's all kinds of responses going on right now. There's some that are pointing the finger saying that, well, we're not like them, right? They're the problem. You know, we're not like the church in the past that, that committed all those atrocities and all those horrible things that they've done. We're not like that big super mega church that uh, has the money and the lawyers and everything that cover up all these wrongs. And so, so we're, not, we're not like them. And so we separate, we say, well, there's divisions within the church and we, we just separate ourselves from, from that, that church. We're not like that church. Uh, some have responded by just saying that we're not, we're, we're not actually a church. You know, we love Jesus, and we love the Bible, and we, we want to worship, and we still want to be a part of both the mission, but, but we're not a church. Because, because being a church has all these bad perceptions, so instead of fighting the bad perception, we'll just, we just won't be a church. We'll, we'll, we'll come up with some fancy new name, and we'll, you know, we'll have this cool new vision and we'll, we'll, we'll do things that have never been done before but we're not going to call ourselves a church and we, we want to be for the people who have been hurt by the church we want to be for the people who have been abandoned by the church because we're not a church we're different so so people can can belong and i understand all those perceptions and i understand all those responses but i don't know if that's the answer because I've been all a big advocate since we've been here about thinking outside the box. I've been a big advocate that if you have an idea and the first thing that comes to your mind is we don't, we've never done anything like that, perfect, let's do that. Let's do the things we've never done before to reach the people that we've maybe never been able to reach before. Let's think outside the box. Let's do church different. But let's not abandon the church because you read throughout Scripture, church is an important part of God's plan. Church is the place where we come and we find uh, experiences with God. We find God's people. It is, we are the body of Christ. We are the hands and feet of Christ. We are, we are the active parts. The peop- the, we are what the world sees. And we are a major part of how God wants to bring redemption and rest- restoration to his creation. And so I don't think abandoning the idea of church is the answer. I don't think pointing the finger and saying, well, we're not like them is the answer. I think we need to acknowledge the fact that we have a past. Paul did the same thing all throughout Corinthians. He said that we have these records of the Old Testament, all these horrible, awful things that happen in the Old Testament. And the whole point of their record is so that we can watch them and read them and know the stories but not repeat the mistakes that they made. Right? There's the old adage that those who <clears throat> don't know history are doomed to repeat it. And I think that's a big part of it, is the fact that um, we need to acknowledge the fact that, yes, these things have happened, and, and we need to learn from it, and we need to be committed to saying that we're not going to make those same mistakes, we're not going to do the same thing that was done. <sighs> and we need to be, we need to be different. We need to step into the fact that we are moving forward. We're not going to repeat the mistakes. We're not going to intentionally hurt somebody. We're not going to intentionally go out of our way to offend somebody. We're going to be different. 
And this morning, to really capture this, I think this really ties in really well with what we've been talking about in Ephesians and how the church needs to be unified and the church needs to be called and needs to be on mission and on vision and, and pushing forward to do great and amazing things. And Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, he picks up and he says something very similar to what we've been saying in Ephesians. And I love these words and I, I want to read them to you and I want them to really sink in. I want you to think about and meditate on this stuff all week long, because I think these words are so important, especially in the day that we find ourselves today. So 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 11, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors, Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and honor those who do right. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves, so you don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, and respect the king. So there's two things going on here that are really important. The big thing, the one big thing that Paul talks about, and I don't really want to focus on it, but I am going to touch on it, is, is the whole respect the king. And I know that there are times it is so hard to respect our government. It is so hard when the government is doing things we don't agree with and seem to impede on our lives and, and get in the way of doing, it just, it just seems so wrong at times. And God says that, yeah, we, I am, God is not oblivious to the wrong and the, the hurt that is going on, but he still calls us to honor the king and to honor those that have been put in authority, uh, even when it is tough. Um, because if we can't honor the government that we can see and interact with, sometimes it can be really hard to interact with God that we don't see. We still interact with God. But God doesn't always do things the way we want. God doesn't always do things that we like. God does things to help us grow. God, help, God does things to put us in uncomfortable positions so that we can do great and amazing things. And so there's times where God is acting and God is moving in his plan and we're not always going to like the things that he is doing. And it's the same thing with the government. We don't always agree with the government, but in the same way that we honor God, we still need to honor those whom he has put his authority in to act as the rulers and as those who have now I mean is there times to um, stand up is there times to vote absolutely there is I'm not saying that we don't stand up we even see without scriptures there are times when the churches stood up and said no more Uh, but when they did that it was normally often at a point where it was interfering with our ability to worship God and so we need to take that into consideration when we're like oh we're going to stick it to the government well how, how is what they're saying and what they're doing actually impeding your ability to worship God? And, and if it doesn't, then as much as we may not like it, there's still an aspect that we need to honor those whom God has placed his authority in. But the big thing I want us to s- focus on is the other part. 
Peter says multiple times in this short little passage to live such good lives that if anyone makes an accusation against you, they're going to be seen as foolish. And I think that is our response as a church. I think that's our response as believers. In the midst of all this adversity, in the midst of all this negative public perception, in the midst of everything working against us, I think the call for us as believers and as one church and as the greater church is for us to step up and say, no, you know what? I know this is the perception, but, but I'm going to live such a good life. I'm going to live in such a God-honoring way that when you want to put me in the same mold as some of these things that have happened, you're going to be found to be foolish because I'm not like that. And the God I serve is not like that. We're different. Jesus is different. His people are different. I still remember reading a book called Soul Survivor, and Mahatma Gandhi once said that he really likes Jesus, he just doesn't like his people. And, and that was at a time when, when, G, when those that were set to be a Christian nation were opposing Gandhi and opposing his people. And, and it's easy to see why he would say something like that. And I don't want that. I don't want that for the church. And I know that Jesus as the head of the church doesn't want that for us either. Jesus wants us to be different. He wants us to live such good lives that if anyone accused us of wrong, if anyone tries to accuse us of being evil, accuse us of doing anything, it's going to be like, are you kidding me? That's that's not them. Because this person is is loving, this person is kind, this person is, one of the things we're going to read in Ephesians 4 next week is the fact that God calls us to be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving. Well, a person who's kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving doesn't do mean things, doesn't do evil, doesn't do, doesn't offend uh, unnecessarily. There's, I mean, there's times where we need, there's offense. There's times where the truth really rubs people the wrong way, and that's unavoidable. But as long as we're standing up for the truth, and we're not going out of our way to offend, we're going out of our way to love, and, to, and that's where truth needs to come from. Truth needs to come from a place where I love you enough to tell you the way it is. To tell you the truth of what's going on and what your situation is and that there's a better way. Because if it comes from a place of love, if it comes from a place where I just want what's best for me, it's really hard to get offended by that. Even then I agree with you, and that's, that's different. There's a difference between disagreeing with somebody and being offended by what they say. So as we... Move to the fall. I know we still got almost all of August, and we're not we're not getting there yet. But as we move towards September, one of the things that we want to do is we want to just go right against that public perception, and we want to we want to recreate and create a different perception. And so, one of the taglines we're going to be using at One Church is "We're here to help." We're here to help. We're here to help you in your marriage when you and your spouse aren't seeing eye to eye and, and it feels like you're drifting apart. We're here to help. We're here to help to strengthen your marriage so that it can get through those tough times and you can be fall in love with each other all over again and that your bond would be tighter than it's ever been so that no matter how tough the times are, you're going to get through it. We're here to help you be the best parent you can possibly be because we believe that God's model for parenting is better than anything else you've heard or seen or can experience. And you're going to be the best mom and the best dad and you're going to raise the best kids because if we do it God's way, there's, there's really no other result that can happen. 
We're here to help you be good parents. We're here to help you be good spouses. We're here to help you have a good marriage. We're here to help you with your finances. We're here to help you understand that God's model for how we spend our money and how we give and how we save and all this thing, all these things, it's right there in God's book. And if we follow God's model, we're going to see prosperity. We're going to see blessing because God wants us to be in a place where we can be generous. We can help those in need. We can help, as he said in Matthew, to clothe those who are naked, to feed those who are hungry, give water to those who are thirsty. Those all require generosity, and we actually need money in the account in order to be generous. So we want to help you with your finances. We're here to help. We're here to help you find your vision. We're here to help you find your purpose in life. Because God has gifted you and given you talents and abilities and passions that are unique to you and they all fit within God's plan to accomplish this plan of redemption and and we want to help you discover what that is to live the most fulfilling life you could possibly live we are here we're here to help and those are the big things but like we talked about last week you know what it doesn't even have to be the big things if your tree falls down in your front yard you know what we've got some guys that would love to come clean it up for you you got some shingles that have fallen off your roof we got some guys that would love to climb up there and patch it up for you whatever it is whether it's the big things in life the big you know philosophical vision that level of thing or it's the little things that are immediate and temporary but still go a long way whichever it is we're here to help. Because as we are going to see next week, we're going to ask the question, what would Jesus do? That's what Jesus would do. Jesus would help. He'd drop everything. He'd love those. And I think the most exciting part in all of this is we're here to help and we want nothing in return. We just want to help. We don't expect you to come to church. We don't expect you to make an offering. We don't expect you to, you know, talk well of us moving forward. We don't expect you to do anything. We just, we just want to help. But if we do that, I think that's what it means to live such good lives that if anyone accuses us of doing wrong, you're going to have these really tangible examples of actually, no, they don't do anything wrong. That, that doesn't fit with, what one church is all about. It doesn't fit with what that person is all about. Because all I've ever known them is to do something that is, is good. Live such good lives that if your neighbors make accusations, they are found to be foolish. The world thinks that the church is bad for society. And how do we respond? We respond by being good. We respond by going above and beyond and doing the good things that only we can do. Maybe it's not just only we can do, but we're the first ones to get there, and we do it before somebody else does, because it's not because it's a competition. It's just because we love people. We want to see them succeed. We want to see them see the best for them. We're here to help. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you God for your word I thank you for the way that it challenges us and pushes us to grow 
And Father, I pray, I pray that this tagline would become the tagline of our lives, not just as a church, but as individuals, that above all else, no matter what's going on, no matter what we're doing, that we are here to help. We're going to drop everything, we're going to do whatever we need to do, because we just want to help. God, we love you. We know, Jesus, that you are, this is your heart to love people, to love God, and to love our neighbor as ourself. The golden rule to do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. If a tree fell in my yard, I'd want someone to help me. So may we be the church that steps out, lives by the golden rule, and does the good things that need to be done to bless the community for no other reason than we love them and we want what's best for them. We at One Church, we're here to help. We thank you, God, for this new and exciting vision. Pray this in your mighty name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, have a great rest of your Sunday. Thanks for tuning in. I hope that you've been challenged. I hope that is something has stirred in you. And as we get ready for the fall, I really want you to think about that question. How can we help? What are the needs in our community? And how can we step into them and say, you know what? We actually do want to see the best for you. We want to see you become all that God has destined you to be. God bless. Have a great Sunday and we'll see you next we'll see you on Wednesday.